Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Lynn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Everything is all wrong right now. That's not a, just an esoteric statement about the universe. That's about what we're doing today, and I'll explain more later. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Said it before, and I'll say it again. If loving Lee is wrong, baby, I don't want to be right. That's also um, about what's going on tonight, but put in a mildly creepier way is, is Jed, Jed's want. Haley, <laughs> we miss you. You know, that's going to be creepy for Lee when he listens to it, but Lee's wife listens to this show, too. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be infinitely creepier for her. So, Christy, I apologize. Jed is wrong, as always. In, in, and I, We've said this, and I think people think that it's a joke. My wife actually goes over with me all the things that I say wrong on these episodes. Oh, as well she should. I mean, we had like today, there was a three or four item list of things were that were inappropriate that we had to... Only three or four? Well, that's all she could remember at the moment. Sure. So, you know, she, we may have to revisit. She may be one of our legions of listeners who can never quite make it through the whole episode. We, we you know, she, well, no, she goes through it just to make sure. She won't, she's, she's, she... Like th- a legal aid? Like I'm just <laughs> yeah, she has to make sure notes. she's monitoring all of it, you know. Sure. So, so why are we alone? Why is Lee not with us? I mean, why are we alone, like, in the universe? Well, that, but in also, you know, Why isn't Lee on the recording? Yes, oh. that. It's important to, uh, when you're in ministry, to understand the question you're supposed to be answering. Yeah. So sometimes we just like to clarify. Yeah. Well, the, at the time as we record, Lee is on a special assignment at Young Life Camp, Woo! Sharp Top Cove. Woo! So he's in he's in Georgia, not getting any sleep, um, surrounded by 400 high school kids. <laughs> uh, you know, Lee <laughs> tends to get up at about 5 a.m., bedtime's about 1 o'clock, a lot of uh, throwing things, a lot of being tossed into lakes and... Uh, Bees and dragonflies. It's a great place, but it's it's Georgia in the summer, so that's, trying, that's Lee's week. You're trying to say he just could not be bothered <laughs> to put the time together. That's right. He could not be bothered to take a pl- take a computer to a place where there's no internet, set up Skype, somehow bring a recording rig for this one show. I'm just hearing a real Lee Younger's day off kind of situation yeah. right here. Yeah. I think he's riding around in a stolen Ferrari right now. Good it, local reference. Thank you. Thank you. Save Lee. And I declare a non-emergency because it's not even a real podcast. Wow. Wow. That got deep. Yes. That is. And you know what else? I'm not even wearing headphones right now. That's how you know it's real. Is is a non-emergency because it's not a real podcast hyphens between all those words? Is that legal? I mean, can we judge us? I think Well, technically, much like uh, the United States Constitution, um, our Robert's Rules of Podcasting Order were written... When we couldn't conceive of a time when Lee would not be with us, so it yeah. actually doesn't get covered. We're gonna have to go to the framers' intent here. Ooh, wow. ooh. And the intent, obviously, for us in this podcast is maximum weird shenanigans. So I think non-emergency because this is an actual real podcast. Hyphens between all those words. I think we're gonna have to allow it. I'd like to ask if we were gonna be Supreme Court justice, who would we be? I choose Scalia. I, wow. I really don't think you want to that's, choose Scalia. That's bold. <laughs> I really, really well. Don't. Maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I was about to say, not the first time I said this You're in my life. You get on Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought of you as a, as a Ginsburg, as a Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure. you know, I own it, dude. You are wearing yeah. very large glasses right now. It's true. Yeah, yeah there's no. no shame in my judicial game. Well, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, right. I I don't even know where we've gone. Yeah, we've we've gone down a, a, a very dark alley. Right. That's now. exactly the kind of thing John Roberts would say. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, I'm no John Roberts. If in, if I'm anybody, I'm Sonia Sotomayor. Okay, well okay. played. Well so played. So you're welcome. Yeah, and I'm sassy. Sure, <laughs> you are sassy. Okay, to Here's our international your- audience who is frantically googling <laughs> Supreme Court justices right now, we applaud you. To our American audiences who didn't Thank recognize you. Any I was of those about names, to say, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You're young. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Here's what I'm trying to say, and and you know what. Kids love that Supreme Court humor. Sure. Matt's always had such an Anthony Kennedy vibe. But what I'm trying to say is, I, you know, I'm not wearing headphones. When we we do this thing, Lee's on the Skype. And he Skypes in, and then we record it and things with magic and voodoo and alchemy. In the future. And then it all gets beamed into the future. I don't understand any of this. The key thing is, so Lee's voice on Skype does not bleed into the recording. 
we run that through headphones for the three right. of us. So if we're doing the podcast, I got the headphones on. Right. Accurate. Okay. And what I'm dealing with now is I have no headphones on and we're true. We're we're doing something that that we're all pretending is a podcast. Right. It's, it's a just, cruel charade. It's a farce. <laughs> it's a comical farce. Okay. So um I don't know if we should just I I don't know if we should just quit now. Yes, uh, I'm thinking of walking out. Okay, that seems good. But I have a feeling it's possible that if I did that, y'all would keep going and then just talk bad about me behind my back. We would keep going for sure. So you know, um, I feel like I'm maybe I ought to hang in there. Sure. Are, are you are you feeling kind of naked without your headphones? I really am. Yeah. Are you wondering why you don't have? headphones a little bit almost like you're wondering where my headphones at yes that's that's exactly what i'm wondering so the guy who's talking in the overture of a rapping song yeah you're just like you and that guy you're of one mind right now you know it's never happened before but in this moment that's exactly how i feel i feel like a guy who is is doing his rapping music yes so yeah. yeah during the as jed put it for those of you who didn't catch that the overture of the rap song yeah <laughs> i enjoy a nice rap aria myself <laughs> uh yeah no it's it, it, it's the world gone mad yeah i i just feel uh, left is right up is down i mean what are we even Your talking dogs about? and cats living together mass hysteria mass hysteria i mean uh what, what i could are, go on to quote the rest of that scene off the top of my head but it would really uh, it would not end well for us yeah <laughs> Well, and this is this is what I'm saying is um, I think that Lee should um, what we should do is we should just each talk, okay, and then at various intervals we'll just leave like two minutes of okay. silence, yeah, and then what what Lee will do later is he'll call it in, okay, and he's got two minutes, okay, see what I'm saying sure. to put it in there. Right. And we'd just splice it. Now, should we respond to what we imagine Lee might say? Exactly. Well, let's give Lee about five seconds right, right now. Right. And then, you know, we'll go ahead and carry on. Right. Okay. <laughs> Good one, Lee. Way to go, Lee. <laughs> Man, that, that's a great line. That was an awesome insight, you know, but a little vulgar at the end. It was. So let's keep an eye on that. You know, I respect the Belgians. <laughs> I don't know where all this Belgian hate came from. I mean, we're all fired up about the World Cup, Lee, but geez. Wow. Yeah. Seems a little inappropriate. Lee, look, buddy, if you're not able to kind of control yourself, you know, right now, maybe we're not going to give you more breaks like that. You know, yeah. Uh, I think that's a. I mean, xenophobia is pretty. You know, it's like uh, we look. We all laughed, but you know, I mean, words hurt. Yeah, words hurt. I think. I, you know, guys, you waffle monkeys. Yeah, where does that I, even come from? I don't. You know, it's like uh, they all stink like Brussels sprouts. I mean, that's it's rough. Yeah, that's it's uncalled uh, for. You know, but here's. I'm just gonna say, guys, okay, because I think we're all feel, sure, feeling the please. same thing. I think. In this podcast, Lee's bringing us down. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like uh, everything was fine, then Lee, you know, jumps in there, and now everything's going downhill. So, you know, a couple of minutes ago when you were doing your uh, your I Might Leave bit, and you yeah. said, what I'm afraid of is I'll leave, and you'll all talk bad about me behind my back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting that that was a thought that was implanted in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, that's, it's funny how it works out. Kind of when someone who's being who's cheating in a relationship is real, real possessive of the other person. Right, right. You, you're saying it's just a, a a crazy, wacky coincidence. It's it's interesting that you would assume that would be everybody else's natural inclination. Yeah, what I'm yeah. And, and you feel like Lee is dragging us down, like morally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel well morally for sure, psychologically. Okay. Uh, emotionally. You're, you're saying that you feel that that Lee, there's someone on this podcast who's rarely encouraging, right? Rarely uplifting, right? And really rarely appropriate. Yes. Who's dragging down your and Jed's naturally sunny disposition? Yeah. And, and you're you're thinking we probably that's probably Lee. Yeah. Who I, that yeah. person would well, be. Well, you know, right now it is. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I and look, you know me. Sure, I hate to point fingers. Sure, absolutely. But I think it's all about Lee. Sure, you know, I well, think you know that's I, what it's down to. As the host and producer of the show, I'd really like to uh, thank you guys for creating a bit off the top of your head that involved 
bad-mouthing the co-host who's not here, <laughs> and five seconds of dead air. <laughs> Two things that are just audio magic. <laughs> let's well, let's uh, involve just dead air so yeah. that people kind of look down and tap their iPhones because <laughs> right, right. they think it's all broken. Sure. And let's be even jokingly mean about the only one of us who's nice to anyone ever. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that- I have bad news for you guys. If you want to go to war with Lee... Not going to have a lot of allies in that. Yeah. It's like, well, Lee gives the nice, you know, helpful mm-hmm. advice and the lovely, relatable stories about his adorable children and stuff. And I mean, that's all good, but Glenn and Jed berate me into doing better. <laughs> and isn't that more and, valuable? And you're welcome. <laughs> you know what I need more of? Cranky curmudgeons. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, that's the after hour show. <laughs> well, I think we've all learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. This entire show could be recorded in the Muppet Studio balcony. <laughs> you know. Boo, guy who's not here, boo. Uh, you know, I feel like you and I are being attacked all of a sudden. <laughs> I feel like we are. All it, has, of it. it has nothing to do with the fact that the church Lee works for offers about 25% of my missionary support. Well, and, and also, it's all true. All I'm saying is, but, it's, you messed with my money. Oh, I can't well, be doing that. Well. <laughs> I, I, I learned that from the bet. I learned that from you. Are I learned you, it by watching you. <laughs> are you saying that were Glenn Fitzgerald to cause problems with your income, then your position would be Fitz better have my money? Wow. That's once that's the second we, for the we, second time in this episode, Jed Bluer, rap translator. <laughs> and on that basis, I declare a real emergency off, which is about to happen. Yes. <laughs> All right. As we mentioned, we are doing this. Uh, we don't have Lee with us, so we're going to do some other things a little different. Don't freak out. Everybody relax. It's going to be fine. We're going to get through this What's together. What's going on, man? Far out. As you may know, normally, if you don't, and this is the first episode of this you've listened to, I would say it's not always like this, but it's pretty much always like this. Well, so, you what, know, what caveat real- him tour. What I'm realizing is, like, Lee is super nice. <laughs> sure. And you're, you know, you're nice and well-behaved and all I that. I pretend. And then Dad and I are like a couple of monkeys on crack but the thing is with no lee here we don't have an anchor the bat yeah the balance is all off buck wild you know now you know that's you know so i think that means one of us has to behave we've lost our moral center that's not gonna happen i I have an idea to really help bring order to the rest of this episode i have here a conch shell right and we're gonna pass it around right and he who has the conch yes can speak I Are see. you sure is the only person wearing glasses you want to make an allusion to that particular uh, book in here? I, also, I say that. Get reminded of that book you didn't read freshman year of high school. That's what we're all about. We got literary jokes. All right, I'm going to try this again. Go for to it. To the point of there, without Lee, there is no order. You can do it. We're going to do things a little different. Normally, we have three questions that folks have written in. Once again, if you hang out with us all the end, I'll give you some places you can write a question. This week, however, because we don't have Lee, we didn't want to... We didn't want to cover a variety of subjects without that special Lee take on it, which really is, makes this whole thing go and socially acceptable. And really the only reason Christians can put up with any of us is because of the Lee factor. Yeah. But we did want to take a look at one thing. We had come in to Glenn's blog, which is very popular. It's, you know, it's, it's quite popular. <laughs> I've heard that. Very uh, popular. The, uh, you can tell how popular it is. It's getting more popular by the number of fake humble pauses in that. <laughs> well, you know, really, when you think about it, quite popular. Quite popular. <laughs> but as such, occasionally Glenn will uh, get several semi-duplicate questions, a bunch of questions on the same uh, issue in a short amount of time, and that lets us know that maybe there's something a lot of folks out there are thinking about. And we got He got a couple of questions on one particular subject that we wanted to, uh, we thought would be a good uh, subject for a one-off episode, we can kind of, instead of our normal kind of uh, round-robin deal, we can actually kind of um, break it down and just spend a little more time on this one particular aspect of things. And the question that came in, we kind of synthesized and edited it down to essentially this. We got some questions from people thinking about their church, thinking about the ministries that are involved in this stuff, and we landed on this. How important is teaching good doctrine and theology compared to doing good deeds and helping the poor. What we mean by that is ideally a church, a mission organization should be doing both of those things. You should have good doctrine, teaching the Bible, but the Bible is very clear that you should also be doing things, helping people, all that's important. 
but what's the balance there? Is it if somebody does one and not the other, is that okay? Is there one that's preferable to do instead of the other? So we're going to take a look at that over the next little bit. And Glenn, do you want to start us off some thought on, some thoughts on this? Yeah, I would tell you a couple of things right off. The 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 thing about doctrine that that we have to understand uh, good solid uh, uh, Christian theology is absolutely essential. This sure. is a non-negotiable. There's no two ways about it. We've said it before on on the podcast. Uh, sometimes people use that phrase. Sometimes you have to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And maybe they're in a church where they're getting some good Bible teaching, but some of it is not great doctrinally. And they feel like, well, I can just hear some and ignore the rest. And we teed off on that pretty hard. I would love to return to that and re-tee off on it. I really don't like that idea of a bad uh, doctrine and bad theology being neutral. I mean, that's the thing about that analogy. Some is meat and some is Mm-hmm. is bones and the you know it's the idea that that bad stuff is is uh just inert in some sort of way uh when in reality i think bad doctrine when you hear it bad preaching bad theology when it comes and you're hearing it it's getting in your brain and i think some of that sticks you may sense that you're rejecting that and you maybe you reject 90 percent of it but that one percent sticks that builds up mm-hmm. it gets to be really negative really bad stuff uh, and I and I think that's a toxic thing. It's not meat and bones, and you know, eating the meat and spitting out the bones. Uh, you're, it, it's as if there's something poison in mm-hmm. there, and you're trying to eat the meat and spit out the poison. And it's a, that's I think that's more of an inapt, uh, more of an apt way of looking at that. Uh, but the the other thing about a doctrine and 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 just uh, Christian theology in general is that it's actually super simple. Very basic. I mean, uh, as as we were talking about the other night, um, uh, you know, I took a confirmation class when I was a 13-year-old kid. I learned everything, as a 13-year-old, everything you could imagine about uh, Christian doctrine. And uh, uh, we learned everything about our denomination's particular distinctives, you know, the things that, that are not uh, 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 essential doctrine, and we'll define that term as we move forward. But uh, you know, stuff that's just unique to that denomination. So we got down to the fine, fine details. I haven't learned anything new about Christian doctrine since I was thirteen. So it's not that complicated. It's not. It's not. Um, uh, we have. There are people that can can focus on it in sort of a hobby type of way. They love talking about it and thinking about it and sort of looking at some of the minutia of it and so forth. But that's kind of more for fun. There's not really anything essential to it. So that's the thing with um, when we're talking about the theology, where it fits in, is that if, we, if we're if we spending a large, large amount of time talking about it and trying to go over it, we may not be explaining it well, or we yeah. may be looking at smaller points mm-hmm. that aren't quite as essential. Kind of very, and we'll button it up with this, by contrast, going and serving is a command. It is the... You know, Matthew 25, where, where Jesus talks about uh, serving the least of these, is, to my mind, some of the most vehement language in the New Testament yeah. and, and as explicit as you can get. And here's the, the thing about that. And I'll kick this over to Jed. But if you, if you don't know much about theology, you don't maybe know a ton of Bible, but you go out serving, mm-hmm. people will start asking you questions Yes. and they'll they will they will challenge what you think you knew about that and maybe they'll come with some bad doctrine that they've heard somewhere else and you mm-hmm. say well now that I don't know where that comes from and they'll challenge you to go back and get into the word and so it's not an either or situation but certainly going on and serving does trigger a need for good solid uh, doctrine being able to explain it well and being able to give people perspective on the word uh, yeah. as you're as you're preaching it to them. That's a great place to start, Jed. If you would uh, pick up that idea of essential doctrine, and maybe as Gomez closed on there a little bit about how um, serving people helps define for you what is essential and what isn't. Just where where do you draw that line personally, and maybe where people can get tripped up by not drawing that line? 
Sure, sure. Well, um, Glenn's absolutely right. Uh, uh, teaching um, uh, good, solid doctrine, believing good, solid doctrine, and uh, pursuing good, solid doctrine is absolutely a command. Uh, it's absolutely essential. You know, First Timothy says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Uh, you know, there's, there's no question about it. And... Um, you know, uh, one of the reasons that it says that, Matt, pertains to, you know, what you're kind of hinting at, you know, in your question is you kind of, doctrine is, in, in a weird way, it's, it's how you remember the path to Jesus. Yeah. And you kind of can't show another person the path if you don't remember it. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're walking through, you know, a dark, you know, wooded area at night, um, you either know the path or you don't. Uh, if you know the path, you can show someone else how to get there. Yeah. If you don't, you're out of luck. It's, it's not going to happen. You're just going to get yourself and everybody else lost. It'll be, as, as Jesus said, the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Um, so I think if we want to, um, to figure out what's essential doctrine, particularly as it pertains to helping other people, I think that the question that we want to ask ourselves is, what is essential to remembering the path from being a lost, hurting person on my own to being in the loving arms of Jesus? What, what are the things that I have to remember to get from A to B on that? And that would definitely be essential doctrine. Well, I bet um, you could hit pause in this recording right now, and I bet most people who you know are Christians could actually recite to themselves what those essential points of doctrine are. Exactly. W- without me even uh, saying them. But for those who are brand new to the faith, or maybe you're not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, you're interested, I'll tell you what those what those points of doctrine are, those essential, you know, uh, 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 signposts along the path between you know where you started and where Jesus is. Uh, the the first is that Jesus wants you to come to Him. Um, that Jesus loves you as you are. That He wants you. That He desires you. That He seeks you. That's that's point one. Point two is that you are lost. Um, there is a problem. Um, you are what the Bible would say is that you're a sinner. That's it. But what that means is someone who's imperfect, someone who right. has issues, someone, actually the precise language that the Bible uses is someone who falls short of right. the standard of, of right living is actually um, the, the second point. And um, for everyone that I've ever worked with who wanted a relationship with Jesus, they were not confused about that. Um, mm. uh, in, in truth, uh, people who are who are hurting and going through a rough time are very rarely confused about whether or not they have issues. That's, right. that's actually n- not a common thing. Um, the third kind of essential point along that path is the idea that Jesus can do something about your problems, um, that, that he can actually do something to solve those problems. And what, what the Bible would describe is that Jesus can forgive your sins, um, he can, uh, this is a super bible phrase, but it's a good one. It says that he can blot out your transgressions, that he has the power to cancel your debt. That's, that's that third point. And if the first point is that he loves you, then the fourth point would be he wants to. Not only can he blot out your transgressions, but he wants to. He wants to cancel that debt. Um, the, the fifth point would be that he's able to do that because he's actually paid for your debt. It's actually, um, it's, it's already taken care of. That's where the cross uh, comes in. That's, that's why Jesus died on the cross is to pay um, for uh, the, the things that you've done wrong and that I've done wrong. And then, so that leads us to the final piece on the path of a central doctrine, which is how do I get that? Um, and that is, you get it. You accept it. Uh, like when you get married, you say, I do. You turn to Jesus and say, you're offering me um, a, a clean slate. You're offering me a fresh start. You're offering to forgive me, give me a new life. I want in. That's it. And what we see, and I'm sure you have this reference pulled up, but that's actually exactly what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's, that's actually exactly what the Bible says. What I just broke down for, it, talking about points along a path, but there's actually an old-timey expression for that, which is called the Roman road. Um, when you go through the book of Romans, there's, there's a number of key verses, and we'd be happy to break those down for you, um, that actually articulate really those principal points of a central doctrine that, that really are a requirement to, to be a Christian and to help another person be a Christian. That's a great point. Um, and it's also a way to judge. We're talking about, as, talking about essential theology, and as Glenn was talking about, kind of that hobbyist, interesting, um, mm-hmm. read up on it theology, and and a lot of, as in a lot of this stuff when we talk about it, there's not really a hard line. No, there's nothing in the Bible that says you know these things are essential, these things are non-essential. But I think Jed has given us a really good way to judge 
how hardcore we need to be about things. It's And it is that how close is it to that plan of kind of salvation stuff. And a good example of that is the Trinity, mm-hmm. which to a lot of people is kind of an airy-fairy concept and gets put in with all this stuff. But a proper understanding of the Trinity is, is and if you don't know what that means, we'll just break it down real quick. There's one God who exists in what they call three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But all of those things, individual identities, are equally God. So right. the real thing where people get tripped up about that is the idea that Jesus was, as the Bible puts it, fully God and fully man. Well, you may say that's, it's, you know, that's hard to understand. It's not a, how can that be a big deal? Well, the Bible says that our transgressions and sins are against God. So God's the only one who can forgive them. So if the guy who was crucified in first century Judea was just some carpenter who was in the wrong space at the wrong time, even if he was a really good dude, that doesn't actually wipe that slate. Yeah. What the Bible says is that God took your punishment upon himself. That's how a debt gets cleared. If I owe Glenn $50 and he just cancels that debt, somebody's still out $50. Yeah. Jed can't come in and cancel that debt for us. Not right. unless I give Glenn 50 bucks. Yeah, there's right. got to be. So the Trinity is essential doctrine in that right. way. Right. Now, there's other things people talk about, um, you know, the end times and tribulation and uh, baptism. There you sprinkle go. Yeah, or sprinkle dunk. or dunk, or even if baptism is a, uh, you have to be baptized to be saved. You don't, by the way. That's an actually a real clear point of doctrine. Again, as we Jed said, Romans ten nine is believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and confess your mouth that God raised from the dead, and you will be saved. That's where that sentence ends. There are no right. footnotes. It doesn't say anything about baptism. It doesn't say anything about communion. Those are things that have a place. Those are cool things, important things, part of body life, but they're not essential doctrine in that way. Yeah. yeah. And before before we move on from this uh, doctrine, this kind of discussion of essential doctrine, I'm gonna run this down real quick. And this is if you want to have this kind of thought in your head of how do I know when something's maybe a little more um, theoretical or in depth or whatever, what's basic? I'm gonna read the whole of this real quick. This is the what's called the Apostles' Creed. You can look it up. It's real good to give you basically a rundown. This is what essentially anyone who has orthodox, which is the word just means right Christian beliefs pretty much believes in this, stripped down to kind of its most basic point. And this is from like the fourth century Roman church. It says this, I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy spirit, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated on the right hand of God, the father almighty. And from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy, a lot of versions you see this say Catholic Church. That's an old word that just means universal church. That means the church of all believers. But in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And as Jed said, that's all the essential doctrine you could ever need boiled down into about 30 seconds worth of stuff. There's endless ins and outs and debates and this and that's on that. But it all you can. it's a good thing to come back to this. So if someone says, you know, I'm a Unitarian, which basically means I believe there is God is God and Jesus is Jesus and ours aren't the same thing. You say, well, Jesus Christ is only begotten Son, our Lord. I now have a problem with that. Somebody says Pelagianism, and I believe you say, eh, it doesn't, yeah, not about that in the Apostles' Creed. It seems fine. The, these are smaller points and and uh, and non-essential points. And again, some people just love thinking about this stuff. But you know, you you just you talked about the Trinity. A lot of people might have the impression that Trinity is a deep mystery, man. We got to talk about it for probably several weeks and months and contemplate. And what happens is people who spend a lot of time thinking and talking about the Trinity are really talking about all the things that people say about the Trinity. That's not true that they break Mm -hmm. down and refute. And, and again, that's sort sort of a hobby level interest or, it's also sort of very a, academic. That's a, yeah. a thing of what they used to in the old days called rhetoric. Yeah, is an yeah, idea yeah. of you have to understand other points and able to, to being able to counteract them. Yeah. So you know the 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 actual idea of the Trinity is super easy to explain, super easy to understand. It's it's a done deal. We can contemplate the the impact and the meaning of it as you were bringing out and the, how it all works, and that's good stuff. Um, but uh, the actual point of doctrine is easy to get hold of. Absolutely. I'm going to jump to, uh, let's, I want to take us to kind of the book of James here. James chapter one says a lot of cool stuff about the idea of what we're talking about here. And I want to get you guys thoughts on this is James chapter one, verses 22 and 23. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And the, uh, the angle I'd like to take on this for a second is we talk about, and there are many places, Glenn brought up Matthew 25, which is probably one of the more prominent ones, the idea of the Bible says to do things. Yeah. The things it says to do, by and large, is help poor people. <laughs> right. There's a part in Matthew 25 where it's, you know, I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I didn't have clothes and you clothed me. And uh, James in his own letter goes on in chapter one to say, um, pr- religion that God our Father looks on as perfect and faultless is caring for widows and orphans. Mm. Yeah. He doesn't actually mention theology at all in that, just the caring for the widows and the orphans. But I like this idea of serving reinforces theology, that idea yeah. of I've heard this thing and I go live and that helps me live it more. And Glenn, can you start us off with a little discussion about how those things interbalance? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to give everybody a super fancy $10 word. Ooh. You are going to be able to use this on your friends. Put that as $10 right into your iPod. Yeah, you're, you're, going, you're going to blow people away with this word. Uh, orthodoxy means a right belief, you know, right beliefs about God and so on and so forth. Uh, what Matthew is talking about is, here's your fancy word now. I'm ready. Orthopraxis. Wow, that's snazzy. Orthopraxis. It's, sounds really, it, it sounds like it, uh, like an 80s video game. It really kind of does. I, I like, I, I put all my quarters into the orthopraxis machine, machine. but uh, yeah, orthopraxis means the the right actions, mm. uh, uh, whereas orthodoxy is the right beliefs. Uh, I don't think anyone really in their right mind conceives of uh, doing one without the other. I mean, the, there's a sense of uh, God is calling us to actions and he's calling us to right actions. Uh, but here's what we get stuck on, because uh, that's really what a lot of the stuff uh, we do with this whole podcast and with our blogs is looking at what, you know, people are trying to move forward and do their right thing and whatever, but they get stuck on stuff. They get, you know, they get hung up on, on one thing or another. Here's what we get stuck on. When it comes to um, orthodoxy, we perceive it as super complicated, super, and we sense the importance of it, but I think we um, sometimes get nervous that there's some really important essential thing that we're missing, you know, that there's always a lot of talk about orthodoxy. And so we, we can tend to fixate on that and it gives us that sense of, uh, again, am I missing something? Am I, you know, is there, is there something important that I need to be focusing on? And we can get a, 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 almost a, I talk to a lot of people, I want to serve in some sort of way, but I'm, I'm afraid of telling them the wrong thing, you know? Uh, so I think it is important, as we were saying before, to focus on how simple this stuff is and recognize the complicated stuff that you're thinking of is how do we live that out? Mm-hmm. That, again, puts us on the orthopraxis side of things. So the orthodoxy side is simple, and we need not worry about it. Uh, we certainly need to get it right. Again, we're almost overemphasizing that, if we possibly can, of right doctrine is super important. We don't want to play fast and loose with that. But once we've got that figured out, now it's about how do we live this out? What is right living? The, the thing we get stuck on there is we say to ourselves, right living, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to focus on right living. What I'm going to focus on is not doing the things that would pertain to not right living. Yeah, bad living. Bad I want to avoid bad living instead of participate in good living. Yeah. You know, those are two very different propositions. And so what happens is I focus on my sin and I focus on other people's sin and we talk about sin and sin was the sin in the seminar we do on the sin and then the lecture series on the sin. We're talking about sin all the time and sin is the the whole focus of the whole thing. But if we got rid of all the sin we wouldn't necessarily have done anything right yet. We've just done less wrong stuff, which yeah. is super cool, except for that's not what we're focused on here, and that's not what we're trying to achieve. Orthopraxis is about how do we find that right thing and go out to do it. And again, 
uh, as we were illustrating before, these two things serve one another. These, I, I had the experience, I know some of you listening to this podcast have had the same thing, where I started doing a little bit of volunteer youth ministry and stuff. And I started reading my Bible just for my own you know, edification, just doing my usual Bible reading. And I'd run across a verse and it would just be like, whoa, that verse suddenly means something totally different to me yeah. now yeah. that I'm serving. And also I could share that verse with this person and help and use it to help them with what's going on. So now I'm reading the word in a whole different way and it's coming alive for me yeah. in a way that it never had before. And suddenly I have a deeper, more nuanced uh, understanding of what's going on in the word. And then trying to communicate that to another person, I'm thinking it through more. I'm trying to simplify it more. Um, I'm trying to understand it in its essence. I don't want the, a million tiny details about it because that's getting me away from where I want to go. I want to know what's the truest true of the truth of the truth that I'm trying to say so that I can keep it super simple and say, hey, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. You can, that's where we're going to start. Cause he said, it could all be summed up in that. And everything we say moving forward, we'll, we'll jive with that. We'll, we'll, we'll have that sense of tone and that vibe with it. And we're going to move forward from there. So I think it's, it's that sense of not getting stuck on overly focusing on orthodoxy and ignoring that orthopraxis. And then when we, when we do look at orthopraxis, we're really looking at, not doing the wrong thing because of course no one thinks it's good to simply focus <clears throat> on doctrine and orthodoxy and ignore poor people yeah. that's not that's not an that, that, option that's not a church you have a book club at that yeah. point yeah, yeah you you do that's that this is not something that's available to us as christians that's not an option absolutely Jed, i want to get your thoughts on that idea of what Glenn's saying we'd like to um, focus a little bit. I think it's a very interesting point he's making, and when we're all kind of driving at that idea of the answer is both orthodoxy and orthopraxis, and you want yeah. to balance those. And I want to take that in the context of this verse from 1 Corinthians 13, which is a very famous chapter. It's called the love chapter. Importantly, interestingly, if you just heard this verse at weddings and in dating books and stuff, it tends to start at verse 4. Yes. There's some good stuff in those first four verses, though. Oh, yeah, read it. One of that being, I'm going to start in verse, this is verse two and three, and this is Paul talking. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, mm -hmm. and if I have a faith that can move mountains but okay. do not have love, I am nothing. Uh-oh. So it sounds like Paul is really taking a hammer to the orthodoxy people here. Wait mm. for it. Verse 3 says, if I give all I possess to the poor okay. and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. There you go. It's a very interesting idea that um, you can do both sides of this without any love and really yeah. without any Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's You can certainly give a lot of money to poor people and not care or if about Jesus one or the other. The interesting other side of that is, however, is that you can know all the theology and know all the doctrine and not really be interested in Jesus. So, Jed, if you'd talk through, us through a little bit that idea of the aspect love has of both of those things, the aspect listening to the Lord has of both of those things, and how maybe people go awry both ways and losing those aspects. That's a great question, man. That's a, a really, really good question. Well, I think one of the things, if we're going to be honest um, on this podcast, is I think getting to a place where people accept that God loves them is the number one struggle for about 99% of people in the church. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think... The truth is, if you asked people in the church, "Do you believe that God loves you?" Of course, they would they would say yes. But it's it's another it's one thing to know that that's the right answer to the question. It's it's another to to believe that for yourself. To again we'll go back to now to you were drawing earlier, so you asked someone, "Do you believe your spouse loves you?" They said yes, but I don't really feel it. That's not a good marriage. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And if that's where you're at, you know, for you listening to this podcast, you know, if you're in a place where you go, you know, I know I'm supposed to think God loves me, but I kind of just don't feel that. You're not alone. Um, and, and we're with you and, and we believe you. And I've been there. I've spent a lot of time in my life there. Um, the thing before you, of course, is um, that uh, we want to work through that. We, we don't want to stay there. And 
what happens, the, let's actually talk about the way that people get into a situation where they're either thinking all the right things but don't have any love or doing all the right things they don't have any love is that tends to be in a weird way an avoidance mechanism. In other words, what happens is kind of people sense deep down, they say, well, look, I know I'm supposed to think God loves me and I just don't feel it. Uh, I know I'm, I'm supposed to just be filled with joy and peace and I'm not and I, I don't really know what to do with that. So they go one of two routes. Well, one of three. One, they say, ah, this is just all nonsense. I'm just going to go do something else. And that's that's one option. But if they're going to kind of stay around Christian stuff, they go one of two routes. The, the first is they either say, well, look, I don't really feel any of the things I think I'm supposed to, so I'm going to go read a book and see if that helps. Um, and if they I go, understand it more, maybe I'll feel it. Exactly right. So they go read, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they go to the Christian bookstore and they, they go to the Christian bestsellers and they, they read a book and there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. You go, hmm, I had not considered that before. But then when you finish the book, you go, well, do I really feel any more of like God loves me? Well, not, not really. Maybe I'll read another book and see if, if that helps. And, and, and that kind of creates a cycle where, we haven't really solved the problem. We've got a lot of head knowledge. I mean, we really, you know, know a lot of stuff, but um, it's not really fixing the problem. It's not really doing a lot for us, and we're kind of stuck in a cycle that we don't know how to get out of, right? So that's that's kind of option one that people go down. The other option that people go down um, is they say, well, look, I don't really feel all the stuff I feel like I'm supposed to. I wonder if I did something really extreme, if maybe that would help. You know, maybe if I, like, fed orphans but while crawling on broken glass to like join them in their sufferings in africa because it doesn't count if it's not in africa in africa at night in the rain and i'm gonna give away three quarters of my salary to do it then i'm gonna try that and uh, i'll check back in well they they try that and it's a smaller number of people but there's a significant number of people in christianity that do do it, or doing a less extreme version of that. A less extreme version of that. But then they do it, and actually, they still don't feel any different. Uh, it's it's still, no, I okay, maybe I need more broken glass. Maybe that would solve it. And and then that's kind of rinse and repeat. What's, it, what's at issue is that we're not working through the actual struggle. In, in, in one case, we're using learning as an avoidance mechanism. In another case, we're using some form of service as an avoidance mechanism. But it's all avoidance. We're, 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 not, we're not doing the one thing God's truly looking for, which is for us to go to him and say, I don't believe you. I do not believe you. You tell me that you love me. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't believe it. You, you asked, you know, how does kind of listening to the Lord um, factor into that? And it's a fantastic question. The thing, if you're a person where you're in a position right now where you just, I don't feel like God loves me. I mean, I know I'm supposed to think that, but I just, I don't feel it. I'll give you a preview. More books is not the answer. I suspect if you're listening to this podcast and you feel that way, you've read a lot of books. A more extreme summer missions trip is not the answer. And not to cut you off, but in both of those cases, that doesn't mean mission trips aren't good. It doesn't mean books aren't good. Not at all. It means you're attempting to use you're attempting to use them in a way that they are not meant to be used. That's exactly right. right. That's that's a good clarification. That's exactly right. Those will not fix the problem that you're facing. This is what'll fix the problem that you're facing. Go to God tonight by yourself, nobody else around, and tell him what the dang deal is. Yeah. If you need to scream, scream. If you need to yell, yell. If you need to shout, shout. Pour out your heart to him. Tell him you're mad at him. Uh, if, if you need to use some PG-13 rated language to communicate your point, do so. Get it all out. Do that. But then here's, here's the important part. When you've got everything you've got to say out, just sit and be still for five minutes. Don't say anything. Just be still. Note the lack of lightning and thunder striking you dead. Exactly right. No lightning, no thunder. You're still here. It's almost as if God loves you anyway, in yeah. spite of your funky attitude. Now here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow... Do the exact same thing. Day after that, do the exact same thing. When you've been doing it for a week, during that five minutes, I want you to add one thing. Ask the Lord, what do you think about all this? Everything I've just ranted and raved about, what do you think about all of it? And then be still for five minutes. And I want you to start seeing what comes to mind in those five minutes. And write it down. This is important. Take a piece of paper with you. Take a pencil with you. Write it down. At the end of that week, see what you wrote down. Then do it for another week and see what you wrote down. If you'll do that for a while, keep at it. I think you're going to see things start to change in your heart and your mind. I think you're going to discover you're starting to have a dialogue with the Lord. And at that point, and this I don't mean to go on so long, but at that point, all of those books 
will start to become really important because they're giving you a framework to understand the kind of things the Lord's trying to lead you into. And that service stuff will become really important because you'll have a sense of where to go with the kind of things that the Lord's trying to lead you into. But both of those things are meant to be supplemental to a relationship with the Lord, not something that can jumpstart one that isn't quite out of the gate. That's a great point. I think it is one that people are quick to... um Maybe it's a little easier to see when someone is trying to use knowledge of God in place of a relationship with God. Yeah. There's a, a passage in the Bible that says, I can't remember exactly, it's in one of the Pauline letters, that says, you know, you believe there's one God, good, even demons believe that. And, and shudder at the thought. Yeah. Right. And there's the, the point where Jesus is being tempted to the desert by Satan, and Satan's plan of attack is to quote Bible verses. Yeah. Right. Correctly. Yeah. And sharply and in precision. He doesn't misquote the Bible. No. He just didn't put it in context, which is very interesting. Yeah. But there's that idea of we, I think maybe it's more prevalent in Western culture or even in American culture where it's more prevalent. That's not right. Let me put it this way. It's more prevalent in in cultures that put a huge value on education. Yeah. And we've seen that because we work in the inner city where unfortunately in a lot of places there's not a lot of cultural value put on education. And a lot of these... um, if only I re- had more Bible knowledge, I would understand this. There's a lot of problems in the inner city and ministering in the inner city, but that doesn't tend to be one of them. Right. Uh, there's more in like a college town, you're much more likely to get that. So it's, mm. sometimes it's people taking the thing they're good at, the thing they like, and just try to, as Jed said, trying to do that full out instead yeah. of doing the relationship bit. But it's, I think it's easier to catch that and maybe criticize it because you're not, at least if you help poor people for the wrong reason, you're helping poor people. Sure. But that's not any better, as this thing is pointing out. That's ultimately going to be a destructive relationship with God. We see that a lot, unfortunately, with people who are in ministry. Yeah. Who just go a million miles an hour and are dry and not fed, and that all blows up eventually. It's all yeah. it's, and it's different sides of that same coin. I think there's a real strong reason that the Bible refers to um, the word as food. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you need food if you're doing something. It's meant to fuel you. It's meant to, as Jed is saying, get you to get up and kind of move along. I think it's a very important point. I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I'm getting ready to close this out. Do we have any any closing thoughts? Anything we want to tack on at the end? Yeah. What I would say is, you know, when um, if you can think of and sort of put it in context, what it would have been like to sit there and hear Jesus say all these things that we're talking about, for the first time, and just the, how shocking some of it must have been. The thing that I love about Jesus, really, when I was young and I first read the Gospels, whatever, is um, I I just pictured everything he said must have been a brutal shock to everyone. And w- one of those things is you have the Jews who had been given the law, the Old Testament law, and they've been obeying that law in... Uh, a mechanical way, and, and in some cases they've been obeying that law in a way that goes to what Jay was talking about, to the extreme. Yeah. And, you know, and just, in a very studious way. I mean, there's the Talmud, and there's things that are just volumes upon volumes of just commentary. Why is it this yeah. word instead of this word? All right, 10 pages on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, you're, 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 you'll count out your mint leaves to figure out how much you want to tithe so that yeah. you don't you don't take— you only take nine out of ten mint leaves that you have. Really silly. I mean, just, well, the interesting one he points out in uh, the context of this discussion is the idea of you won't let hungry people get anything from your field on the Sabbath because you're more worried about the idea of yeah. not working on the Sabbath than hungry people eating. Yeah. Is right. that messed up? Yeah, yeah. So you you have this law, and he comes in, and yeah, he he says, okay, there's the law, but. Don't get it twisted. Poor people, suffering widows and orphans, aliens and so forth, uh, foreigners. This stuff is super important to me. That's you. you I'd rather do you do one without you know neglecting the other. But the the thing is that you know you have these people following these rules and these laws, and Jesus comes into that picture and he says, "Follow me." And that's really what Chad was talking about. He's talking about having an individual, personal relationship with God. Absolutely. You take that relationship and take what you hear in that prayer time, and you get out your Bible, and those words are going to come alive to you. They're going to have more meaning to it, to you, and they're going to penetrate deeper because you're 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 being open with the Lord. You're being vulnerable with Him. You you've heard from Him on this. 
This is now a love letter from someone who cares about you. This is a, a very meaningful thing. So uh, I, I think there is, um, for all of us, there's a sense of uh, resisting that idea of following Jesus. You know, we, in the mm. beginning is the, the God and Adam, everybody's naked and we're talking and everyone's fine. Then there's knowledge of good and evil, which, you know, leads to darkness and, you know, and having to work the ground and all these different kind of things and sin. And then we, then we said, well, we want a king. Everybody else has got a king. And it's all, I'm giving you Old Testament history in, in a matter of seconds. Everybody else has got a king. We want to have a king. You know, uh, you know, we, we, you know, well, we don't know what to do, so you have to give us laws and so on and so forth. So, you know, all this stuff is piled on, and it just brings nothing but misery and misery and misery. And Jesus comes in and he says, Follow, just follow me. Yep. Don't don't worry about any of this other stuff. Follow me, and I think there's some part of us that all along has been saying, "I don't want a a God to follow. I don't want Him to be my king. I don't want Him to be my thing. I want to rule. I want a a, a, a something on a, a, a written out in an Apostles' Creed or whatever those things are. I want to be able to do it mechanically." And well, that's something what, I can get a grade in. Yeah, and that's what Jed was bringing out is if you if you are honest, now all of a sudden you're getting a bad grade because it's too sloppy, it's too messy, it's yeah, too, too whatever. Yeah. But it's real. It's finally real. So it's only just now that's starting to happen. And being sloppy and messy and authentic and whatever and going out and serving in ways that, that, that may be equally sloppy and messy with other people who are sloppy and messy, that's, the, that's actually how this works, you know. It, absolutely no question about that it, with within all of that is the non-negotiable we must have good doctrine and we must preach the gospel that is the good news in clear language and you know unwavering we don't compromise on that we don't negotiate with that in any way whatsoever but we have to be comfortable with that messy relationship stuff happening and and letting that be part of our christianity all right, we want to thank you for listening. We'll be back to our normal format and with Lee next week. If you have a question for us, you can write us in saythatpodcast.gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. And as part of that, if you want to let us know how you liked this format with kind of digging deeper into one subject, if you liked it, let us know. We can always do more of this. One of the things about this show is, is someone has pointed out to us recently that we don't talk a ton of theology, which is true, but part of that is you guys don't, tend to have a whole lot of theological questions. We answer Bible questions, that kind of stuff, when they come in, but most of we assume, and we know from interacting with you, that most of you are getting that somewhere else. You're getting that in the preaching at your church or Bible study or whatever, so you know that part. As Glenn pointed out earlier, it's the living it out part that's a little more messy, and sometimes it's harder to get a straight answer on. We're happy to do that for you, but whatever you write in, we'll answer it. We answer 100% of the question that comes in eventually. So remember that. Also, we didn't do our plug at the top, but... If you want to give $8 a month to fund Urban Ministry and get a lot of cool stuff in return to grow your walk, that's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Since Lee's not here, I'll give him the plug of honor. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger version, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We love Belgians, unlike Lee. Lee.